I believe that God designed on demand for people like you. People can't always get to the word when you want it, so you need it in your hand or you need it on your computer. But here it is, a word just for you. So click in, enjoy yourself. And remember, God designed this just for you. So apply the word you're about to hear and let it transform your life. Neighbor asked the question for the day. said, what happened to my friends? Come on. You may be seated. God bless you. We're in a study today, and in this study, uh, our intent is to, to dwell, deal, on, deal with the question of friendship. There are issues in life, and if you learn how to manage those issues, you will succeed. If you learn how to see things correctly, you'll do better. If you don't, you'll struggle. You have to be clear about the issues, the real issues in your life. And we talked about three of them in this series. One is sexual issues. You have to put that intimate part of your life in the right place. If you don't, it will drive you to a bad place. We talked about now relationship issues. You have to learn how to get along with people. And then lastly, we'll talk about work issues in our next series next month. But let me focus, if I can, just on one aspect of relationship that is always wonderful, at least it, it, when it works right, and that's friendship. So who are your friends? What are your friends like in your life? I always say that your friends tell your story. If I want to really know you, the best way is to meet the people that you hang out with. They tell me more about you than you'll tell me. That's why if you're going to date somebody, a good way to, you know, date them is to hang around their friends a little bit. Go someplace with them. Um, let them tell you. Don't pick the restaurant. Let them pick it. See where they like to eat. Taco Bell. That's where they go all the time. You want <laughs> Nothing wrong with Taco Bell if you're a Taco Bell fan. But you need to know this is a Taco Bell crew. You know, There's something about understanding people. Uh, and friendships teach a lot. He teaches a lot. So what story would your friends tell me or teach me about you? How would they, what would they help me know and understand? How you joke, what you laugh at, what movies you like, the music you like. There's something about friendships. Secondly, what have your friends contributed to your life? Your friends are contributors, depositors. What's the return on investment? You invest how many years with this person? And what's it been like? I, I love to use this little measuring stick. When I met you, I was here. Now that I've known you, where am I? What does it cost? Is this a monthly charge? Every, t every month you ask for money? Is that part of the orientation? You cuss me out every now and then when you get mad or you hang up in my face and we make up and we break up and make up. You know, is that part of being your friend? There's always a high price. You got to answer every text. You got to answer every call. If I miss a phone call, you're upset. You, know, you, didn't, you didn't answer me. I called you. Uh, what's the problem? You, you have a problem. Time out. Time out. Time out. I'm not on your payroll. <laughs> I'm not. And I think sometimes you have to really back up when you... Look at how you respond to people in your life and ask yourself, why do I have the right to respond that way? Do they have to call me back within like an hour or a day? Can, can I wait three days? Maybe they're someplace they can't answer right now. They saw it, yeah, but they can't answer right now. They're in the middle of something that's in their mind more important. Than, well, more important than me. Pause, pause, yes. That's possible. It's possible that you can have something to do in your life that's more important than talking to me right now. I think it's great if you can, but I need to understand if you can't. 
what kind of friend am I? And what is the price tag that comes with that friendship? What have your friends stopped you from doing with your family? Do they isolate you? Do they lock you in? Do they make you only hang with them? Is it only about being with them every day, every day, all the time, all the time, all the time? When you became friends with them, you stopped talking to everybody else in the family. This is now your only crew, your only This is it. This is it. It's really interesting to me to see that happen. I see a lot of teenagers do that. You know, really, you, know you meet friends and you like them, and all of a sudden now your parents are all dumb. But they support you, but they're just not people you want to be around. And you get to this place, if you're not careful, where you put your friends in a place they weren't designed to be. They're now your main advisors with no experience. All your love advice comes from people who have very little experience. And so now you're listening to them more than you listen to older people. I told somebody this the other day. I said, one of the deficits in my life, honest to God, was I did not have enough older, wiser people in my life. If I could go back, I would give myself a retired person who had never, who didn't work anymore because I didn't fully understand retirement, the concept, because I never saw it. Until you hang around older people and you see things start breaking down and hurting and then you go, oh boy, (laughs) shoot, I better take care of myself because when I get to that age, one of the greatest things my mother ever did, this is the truth, this is, this, this is so ghetto, but it's true. She was a big brush-your-teeth person, and uh, she said, look, you need to brush your teeth, you know, and I, you know how you get, oh, I'll do it later, you know, eat candy and go to bed and, and, and all the cavities be dancing, you know, all that stuff. And uh, she, w- she had partials, you know, those are like, look, t- click them in, click them out. So to get me motivated, she said, look at that, see that? That's, that's your future <laughs> if you don't brush your teeth. And he said, ain't nothing like your real teeth, son. And she would do that. I said, that's so gross. She said, there you go. Think about what I'm telling you. There's something about older people telling you things. But I, when I say older, I really mean as old as you can get them in your life. They help you see. They help you have perspective. And they, they show you the value of a lot of things. And one of the things they'll show you is how to manage friendships. They'll show you that you shouldn't allow new friends to lock out all the old people in your life because you have these new people. And then lastly, there's a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 that I love. It's a verse that uh, I think is often misunderstood. So here's my last question for you. Are you equally yoked with the right kinds of friends? This is, what, this is 2 Corinthians 6, 14. This is the main verse for the day, by the way. Do not be unequally yoked together. Can you read it with me, please? Come on. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? Now, most Christians, when they read this verse, they come away with one interpretation. Don't hang with people that don't know Christ. Only hang with Christians. Don't hang with non-Christians. That's not what that means. This verse is really a verse that warns you about hanging with people that hinder your future. They're not good for your future. This is not a verse to say, only be with Christians. That's just not healthy, by the way. How are you going to win anybody if you're only with people who are like you anyway? You're not going to do much evangelism. So it could mean that. Paul is concerned with the influence, you've, the influence of dangerous people in your life. People who come into your life and they change your values, they change your views. Your whole approach to your family is different. Your whole approach to 
your husband, your wife, everything has changed since this person came in your life. And sometimes it's a family member. Sometimes it's a family member who just never had a good relationship, so they just sabotage everybody else's body. Now, look at him. I would, if I was me, well, you don't have anybody yet. Time out. The last five people left you. Let's stop. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't allow you to have that kind of influence in my life. I'm not putting you down because you went through five relationships. I'm not putting you down. I'm just simply saying I don't know that you're the best advisor for me. I don't know that your perspective of how to resolve a conflict, and you've been in several fights, that I need to listen to you unless I want to fight too. I need, to, I need to back my train up a little bit and make sure that who I'm allowing in my life is equal, that I'm not unequally communicating with somebody. Unequally yoked is an interesting term. The word yoked, is, if you can imagine an oxen, uh, they would be yoked together. And so when he said this, they understood exactly what Jesus was saying, what, what Paul was saying. There's a danger when you put a, 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 a cow with a chicken. You yoke them together, you can't get much done. They, they weren't designed to be together. Two oxen were designed to be together. Two horses were designed to be together. I love the verse in the Bible that says, can two walk together except they be agreed? There's something about being honest about the friends you have and asking this question, am I unequally yoked? These are friends that are not going in the same direction I'm going in. They're not trying to accomplish the same things. Being unequally yoked can even be true for Christians. You can, you can, you can marry somebody because you, they go to church and you think, well, they go to church, they love the Lord, they want, you know, they want to win people to Christ, so we're equally yoked, not necessarily. One person believes in work. One person doesn't believe in work. One person believes that everybody should take care of them. That's their view. And you believe that that's not the way it should be. You can be yoked with friends, people in your life, who really believe certain things. So that's the question I want you to think about. Or who are you yoked with? Who are your buddies, your friends, the people in your life? And what have they brought into your life? Sometimes you have lawless people in your life. Sometimes you have people who live in, in the land of darkness, always in something shady. And the question is, why are they your friend? I love them. I understand that. I'm just asking a question. Where are they taking you? The three people in the Bible that I thought would be interesting to study, I almost picked one of them to make the whole sermon about them, but I thought, eh, just give you three, three uh, amazing friends we can learn from. Repeat them with me, please. Say Jonathan and David, the three Hebrew boys. And, and the 12 disciples. Each of them we could spend a whole sermon on. But let me just quickly run through their lives quickly and point out three things about their friendship. The first thing is Jonathan and David in 1 Samuel 18. In 1 Samuel 18, I'm not going to turn there, but there's a story about Jonathan and David and how close they were. But the problem with their friendship was their, the, uh, Jonathan's father, Saul, couldn't stand David. And so there are times when you have differences, family differences, I'm not, I'm not saying that you, all your friendships have to, you have to all be exactly alike. You may have different political views. You may have different views about a lot of things. But notice in, in, in the story of Jonathan and David, they found a way to swim through it. They didn't allow the differences in their family to stop them from being friends. There's something about being able to do that. And I looked at their life and I thought, what a great example for me. All my friends don't have to have family members who agree with me. It's okay. In the end, it was a tragic ending for Jonathan because of his father, Saul. And there was a grieving loss for David when, when Jonathan eventually died in battle. There's something about 
the courage they had to believe past the differences. If you got that, say amen. Secondly, the story of the three Hebrew boys. These were friends who had consistent values. In Daniel chapter 1 through chapter 6, you see these four guys, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, all friends. From the beginning of Daniel, you see them committed to eating certain foods, very healthy, very health conscious, very strong guys, and these were very godly guys. And they were constantly facing challenges. Daniel was put in the lion's den. The three Hebrew boys were put in the fiery furnace. I mean, these guys went through hardships, but they were consistent. Can you say that big word with me? Please come on, say consistent. Say it again, come on. Consistent. They were consistent. There's something about having friends that are consistent, that support your values. They support what you're trying to do. They're not working against your values. They're not trying to pull you into behaviors that you know aren't good for you. The third group that I thought was impressive was the 12 disciples. They all had a common dream. And you see their story in Matthew chapter 10. And I'll put, I, I, I love Acts chapter 1. I didn't put that in your notes. But Matthew chapter 10 describes all these guys who were together. And listen to what it says. When he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. These were, this, was a, this was a group of guys who had the same vision, the same passion. One guy eventually kind of gets off, but, you know, Judas. But by and large, these were 12 committed guys. I think Judas just became disappointed. It wasn't what he thought. He wanted to get a shortcut. But for a season, they were united and together in Matthew chapter 10. You see that. Now, I like that. I think you need to have people in your life, people who are committed, people who are devoted, people who are just like this. There's nothing like it. Nothing like, one of the greatest gifts God has given me is friendships. People in my life that, that bring something to me, that help me be, be a better person. So those three are examples. Now, I wanted to take you on a journey with the book that I, um, I just dug up. I, I, I really like T.D. Jakes. He's a good guy personally, too. He's a really nice man. And um, he wrote a book some time ago on destiny. And... Um, it just happens that I heard him last week at a conference. We were there together, and this this incredible um, book called Destiny, Step Into Your Purpose. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Destiny, Step Into Your Purpose. Jake's thoughts about friendship are highlighted throughout this book, especially in certain sections. So uh, what I did was I gave you the notes. You can go buy the book if you like, and I want to just highlight it, and I, I think it's a great book for you to buy. It's now my book of the season, I call it. So on my website, rickytemple.com, you'll see the book listed and, um, in the uh, flash page, and you can click into it, and it has a, uh, it's a video that you can watch as well that talks about it a little bit. But it's a tremendous, tremendous. That's at rickytemple, R-S-A-K-Y, temple.com for this month. But look at this, and let me give you, if I can, a little summary. He said the true barometer to help you evaluate the relationships, the true barometer to help you evaluate the relationships to invest in must center on the significant question, the significant question, how does this person fit into my destiny and purpose? How does this person fit into my destiny and my purpose? If you would approach your time with the same sense of fiduciary duty as you do your money, you would see a far greater return. In other words, if you would say, if I'm going to invest this amount of time, I need to have some kind of, of idea of what this is going to bring to me. He goes on to say that people who are truly engaged want to know, where do I fit? Can you say this with me? Please come say, where do I fit in your life and destiny? 
Sometimes you bring people in your life that do not fit. I'm not putting anybody down. They do not fit. And be honest with you, let me flip it. There are people that I try to befriend and I don't fit. I was, I was somebody that I, if I said his name, you know who he was. Um, we were trying to connect, 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 and we just couldn't connect. And I, I had this thought. It was a great thought, too. I said, I don't fit in his life. I don't need to be a part of his life. Because what he's trying to accomplish, I'm not trying to accomplish. And so our efforts to connect really just don't work because we're going in different directions. And so sometimes you have to back up and say, am I trying to force something? Or maybe this is the wrong season for it. Until the question he goes on to say can be answered, good people will leave you. Watch this now. Until that question can be answered, good people will leave you because they can't live in the, I love this, the clutter of your indecisiveness. To maximize the years you have left, clear the clutter. There are times that there's just too much going on in your life for me to be a part of it. Too much strife, too much, too much division, too much, too much, too much. And sometimes in my life, if there's too much clutter, I'm really careful about how busy I get. I, I try to manage that. Because I realize that if my life is too cluttered, I, I need certain people in my life, but they won't have time to declutter my life. To deal with me costs too much. Time is too much. It's too high of a mountain to climb. And then let me tell you, the danger in that is you won't get good advisors in your life. Because people will size up real fast. Boy, that's going to take a lot of time. And so I, you want to go in business. You want to succeed. You want to grow in some area. But it's just too much clutter. You're just too angry. You're too frustrated. It's too, it's too hard to communicate. You're too sensitive. And so if a person looks at that and they say, boy, that's a lot of clutter, man. Don't know if I can jump in and help them. Don't know if I want them in my life because they bring with them all that clutter. I have a little saying that I use a lot when I travel because I'm you know, with people all the time. And I, I say I'm light luggage. I am light luggage. You don't have to go through a whole lot of song and dance with me. You don't have to go through a whole lot of, you know, special moves. There's some things that are necessary, but what's not necessary, you don't have to worry about. Are you like that? When a person becomes your friend, is it full of clutter? Always something. As a matter of fact, when they see you, you always introduce them to clutter. Every time you see them, yeah, you know, this week was awful. Yeah, this, I mean, every time they see you, every time they talk to you, it's a person that I love dearly, and it's, it's, it's no one, it's no one in, in my family, but it's, it's someone that's associated that I, I interact with sometimes. And they would always say something negative when they see me. Every time they see me, they'd say something like, yeah, I went to the doctor and I got 15 diseases and 18. I said, wow, that's a lot, 15. It went up from last week. It was 12 last week. <laughs> You're climbing. And so this is, again, not a family member or anything, but this is a person every time. And so what I did was I told them, here's the deal. You, when you see me, you've got, I stopped them. Time out. You've got to tell me something positive. You can't tell me anything negative. So they said, well, let me see. Hmm, let me see. I'm alive. I said, there you go. You're breathing, dude. That's a good thing right there. You're breathing. You know, give me two. Come on, give me two things. And he had to think really hard. And even, even if he described anybody in his family, he would always pick the worst thing to tell me. Never anything amazing. Are you that kind of person? 
you bring on, on the first date. The first date is cluttered. I, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they told me within five minutes a year's worth of garbage. Now, I'm, I'm a preacher guy. I'm a man. I care, you know, hallelujah and all that. But I said to myself, wow, do you have it like a little, little sandwich bag? You flash it out when you meet people. Here's the awfulest things in my life. Here's the worst things in my life. And if you were, by the way, single and you're trying to meet somebody, you know, when a person hears all that, they go, wow, that's a lot to join in. There's something about clutter. Can you say that word, please? Come on, say clutter. You have to declutter your life. If you don't declutter your life, what happens is everything becomes all about what's wrong with me, what's wrong with my job, what's wrong with my family, what's wrong with my children. It's always negative. I just love this book. He goes on and says how you prioritize your relationships. Number one is the first thing you do is you decide what stays in your life and what goes to determine what nourishes you and strengthens you. This needs to go, and this needs to stay. I have, I'm, on the, I'm in the middle of that right now. I've had to decide, okay, what kind of Ricky do I want to be? What kind of guy do I want to be? Do I want to be a healthy guy or an unhealthy guy? Do I want to be a you know, broke guy or guy? What, what kind of church do I want to lead? Not just for today, but there's a long-term strategy that I'm working on that I think is really courageous and exciting. I mean, I'm really, I'm really getting excited. Because I understand the power of making a decision of what I want to do and where I want to go. Now, here's what he closes with. He says, invest in what invests in us. Say that with me, please. Come on. Invest in what invests in us. Then he says this, pour into relationships that pour into you. I love that. If there's no value in it, if it's not helping me, I just need to back up for a minute and say, this isn't helpful to me to always be in an argument with you every day. This isn't healthy for me. Now, here's some married people saying Say that again, Pastor Ray. If you brought marriage into this conversation, here's what I would say to you. What's really tragic in a marriage is when you lose friendship. You're not friends. And I really think when you go into a marriage, one of the mistakes you make is you step over friendship. You start off with this really great desire to do something amazing together but somewhere between here and there, it gets cluttered, and, and the friendship gets lost. The, the thing that I'm the most concerned with as a pastor is that I stop being your friends, your friend. That I become this preacher guy, but I don't feel that friend connection. That, I, that I'm, you know, a good friend, you're happy to see them. You know, you, there's a sense of joy and fulfillment when you're together. One of the things I have to work on all the time is my relationship with Diane, and friendships aren't always easy. You have to have hard conversations. You have to talk through things. You have to figure out things. You offend each other. You stumble. That's part of being a friend. But being committed to friendship is important. And then understanding the three types of friends. And I close with these three types of friends in your lifetime. I love this. He quotes Deuteronomy 25, again, back to Jake's book, 25.4. He says, don't muzzle the ox, uh, uh, don't muzzle the mouth of the ox that treads the grain. It simply means, he says, feed what is feeding you. Read that with me, please. Come on. Feed what is feeding you. If you're feeding people who can't feed you, it's only a matter of time before that constant feeding will begin to drain you. That's why you feel the way you feel. Sidestep for a second here. 
marriage needs to be clear. If you're married to a person and it's a constant drain, eventually, whether you're married or not, you feel drained. We have to be aware. I'm draining you. I mean, I mean to. But simple things drain people. Doing all the laundry alone all the time is draining. Cleaning up by yourself all the time is draining. Paying all the bills, managing all the responsibilities without compassion. Now, you, know, you may be the main breadwinner and may be the main bill payer, but you should always be. If anybody is paying all your bills, you ought to thank them. You ought to make them feel like, man, thank you for your hard work. You ought to be applauding them because that is not something that comes every day. Can I get an amen to that? Come on, amen. You should say thank you. Now, that's what they're supposed to do. Now, that's a ghetto attitude. What do you mean? <laughs> Who's responsible? Who has to do anything for you? Time. Here's what time will teach you. That ain't true. People change their mind and they unplug the money and they unplug the help. You learn that on your job. They can walk in with a pink slip and say happy trails or they can send you a tweet. They can do what they want to do. I mean, you, you learn very quickly that everything you have, I consider a privilege to be your pastor. That you take care of me, you treat me well. I'm honored by that. I'm, I'm not taking that for granted. I'm not crazy. And I think there's something about embracing your friendships and understanding the power of them. But let me get to the three things. Three things, three types of friendships. Repeat them with me, please. Say confidant, constituents, and comrades. Now, listen to these three. These three are amazing. As a matter of fact, the reason I pulled the book off the shelf and shared this with you today is because of these three things. Because when I was writing the sermon, I thought, oh, God, i got to go back and talk about that. I've got to share that with them. Here's what he says about confidants, which is really great. He said, you, 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 have, you will have very few of them in your lifetime. In fact, if you find two or three in your entire lifetime, you're tremendously blessed. Confidants are the people who love you unconditionally. They are into you. Watch this. They are into who? You. They're into you. They have your back, whether you're up or down. They are with you for the long haul. If you get in trouble, they won't abandon you. Confidants will come get you out of jail. <laughs> They'll pull you out of a drug house and love you all the while. You need a good confidant in order to reach your destiny. That is amazing. Come on, amen. That's a confidant. You know the story in the Bible where the guy was uh, lame and, and, he, uh, and four guys came and lifted him up and carried him to the top of a roof, cut a hole in the roof, and laid him down before Jesus while Jesus was preaching. I love this story. You know why I love it? Because I thought, name four people that love you so much that they'll carry your weight to your dream. Just name four. Four confidants. Think about it for a second. Some of you say, I can't get a ride to the mall. If I need it right now, if I call four, can I name, name four people that would come to this church today and pick you up because your car broke down? Now, I'm going to tell you, most of you have one person in my, oh, I know I better, I better call because the other people ain't coming. They tell me, catch Uber, Uber, Uber it. But, if they, but think about the power of this. And I thought, man, who are my confidants? Second group, watch this now, constituents. You will likely have many of them in your lifetime. Constituents are not in, into you. Re- repeat that with me, come on constituents are not into you. Read that one more time. Come on. Constituents are not into you. Rather, they are into what you are for. They are not for you. 
<laughs> Nor does your destiny matter to them. They're not thinking about your success. But as long as you are for what they are for, they will walk with you and work with you. But in the end, but it ends there, rather. Never think they are on your team to stay for the long haul. Understand the nature of, the con- of constituents because they are the people who will walk away if they meet someone else who will further their agenda. Constituents are always, watch this, constituents are always looking for a better deal. They will abandon you to hook up with another person who better serves, watch this now, their purposes or their need. But if you understand who constituents are and their role and purpose in your life, you won't be too sad when they walk away. They were never in your life. That's why your relationship broke up. You dated a constituent. (laughs) They were not into you. As long as you were for what they were for, having children, raising kids, that's all they wanted with kids. They didn't really want you. I mean, you you work with constituents. And it's it's not a bad thing. Listen, we are making bubblegum. That's what we do. We're bubblegum friends. Take away the bubblegum, I won't talk to you. You know, and, and watch this. Watch this. Just careful. Just hear me right. How many of you are going on vacation next year? Raise your hand. How many of you are on vacation this year? Raise your hand. You went on vacation. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Hi. Come on. Put your hands up. Be proud of yourself. Okay. Now, why didn't you invite me? (laughs) Crickets, crickets, crickets. Did you think about inviting me? Did it come to your mind? No. You do love me, don't you? Okay. But guess what? I didn't invite you either. (laughs) Does that mean we don't love each other? No. You have to understand the nature of relationships. It's wrong for me to expect that. You work with people and you're trying to accomplish a common goal. You're not there for that purpose. You come to church for a specific purpose, to hear the word of God, to grow in Jesus. You didn't come to church for me to be all up in your life. There's some of you don't even want to talk to me, I understand. Good morning, Pastor. Bless you. And I don't, I, don't, I don't have a problem with that. Some do, some don't. Some get closer than others. But I understand why we're gathered. You can get confused and put people in places in your life that they're not supposed to be. I can share, counsel, help, but not, that, that's not my role for everybody because everybody doesn't want that from me. They have a mama, a daddy, a cousin, somebody they talk to, they don't even talk to me. And that's okay. Sometimes you overread a relationship. And you're not honest about it. This is a constituent. This is a confidant. Say that, come on. This is a constituent, and this is a confidant. And there's one more. Ready? I love this. This is, oh, God. This thing helped me when I read it several years ago. Here's the third one. You ready? Say comrades. I love this. The last people group will, <laughs> you will encounter is comrades. They are not for you. <laughs> nor are they for what you are for. They are, they are against what you are against. In other words, we have a common enemy. So we gather around to fight a common enemy. But it's like scaffolding. 
As long as we're fighting the enemy, you build the scaffolding. But when we defeat the enemy, the scaffolding comes down. I need to be clear that this is not about me and this is about that enemy. That enemy. And so sometimes in life you need to pause and say, who am I dealing with? And in my relationship with people, how, how do I feel? You know, it's really funny. When you read this, hear this sermon, you can think of it in this way. I'm, you're concerned about how people treat you. What I want to know is how you treat people. Do you treat them like comrades, constituents, or confidants? What do they get from you? What is the vibe you give off? Don't talk so much about how good a friend, how good people are to you, how good a friend people are to you, but how good a friend are you to them? Swing it back for a minute. I, I realized I wasn't a good friend to some people. I had to work on that. I realized that I wasn't, I, I, I asked for too much. Criticized too much. There were pastors I had stopped, don't, don't comment on what's wrong. You've been doing this for 38 years, hush. Just say, hey. yeah, that's bad, that's bad, and that's awful. But don't say it. If you go to their church and roach crawl by, just kill it and sweep it on the table. There you go, bro. Might want to get a spray man, Astro, somebody. I mean, but I don't. I don't need to make it a big deal. I don't need to spend all my time criticizing you. You'd be surprised. Sometimes you are a bad friend. Every time you see people, you comment about them. You mock them. You're not even a good friend to your kids. Every time you visit, you point out five wrong things. Why? Why do you do that? Why is it necessary? Why don't you just have a no complaint visit? I just came all this way to say hi. Can you just embrace the possibility that you could be the reason why your friends aren't there? And maybe you can be a better friend. And let me tell you something. Friends are amazing. They're a gift, but you work on being a better friend. Did I help you today? Let's, let's stand together. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you for the word and for all that's been said today. Help us to be better friends. Help us to manage our friendships better. There's nothing like it. Help us admit that we're unequally yoked. Help us to understand that What I'm trying to make work, I can't make work because we're going in different directions. Help us look at our marriages and ask ourselves, are we good friends? Do we behave in a way that we would, that would say, I want to be a better friend? I speak, oh God, to the many who are watching at home today and on demand. I pray for the hand of God to be upon them. And may they leave this conversation and say, let me take a deep look at my relationships. And let me ask myself a question. Am I a good influence or bad influence? Am I a help or a hindrance? Oh, man. Look at me for a second. Last word I'm going to say to you. My daughter said something to me, yeah, and I've said it before, that really touched me. She asked me, I used to ask her, I said, so how, how am I doing with the daddy thing? She says, well, you, you, no, it's not going too good. You're, you're not any fun. 
I said, really? She was, she was in middle school. I said, well, explain what you mean. You know, you're kind of serious and, you know, everything is really important and kind of fussing a little bit. I wasn't a good friend. I ain't supposed to be no friend. I'm your daddy. That's my job. My job is to put you straight. And you hear young parents, when I, I'm going to beat my kids. I'm going to make them do right. If that was my child. You know, a friend you can mess up in front of. A friend uh, helped you. I had a friend. He's come by my house, and he had the worst smelling feet ever. Good God Almighty. Oh. That boy, I don't know why his feet smell so bad. And the first thing he'd do is take off his shoes. Temple, I know you love me. I know you love me. I know you love me, man. I'm sorry. I know it's bad, but <laughs> I'm changing his name, John. His name wasn't John, but I said, John, put your shoes on, man. Come on, man. I'm sorry. My feet hurt, man. Plus, I'm in bondage. And he'd start talking. We just kind of get over the old. Eventually, it would kind of die down a little bit. But I was a friend, a safe place. Be that for your children. Tone it down a bit. Change your approach. Leadership is earned. Respect is earned. Beating your way, slapping your way, cussing your way, yelling at people, intimidating somebody shorter than you or weaker than you does not mean you're strong. It means you're not a good friend. So they go find somebody else. And they listen to people. And you see it in their eyes. So Lord, help us today. Go be good friends. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I pray that people in this room who don't know you, Savior, who've never given you a chance to be their friend, would pray with me today and say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I need to make friends with God because I've been away from him. And I invite him into my life today. I leave this service praying for God to forgive me for my lack of friendship toward him. I've been friends with everybody else but him. So today I surrender my life to Jesus and ask him to be the Lord of my life from this day forward. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you saying, I need to be a better friend to God, raise your hand. If that's, it, if that's you, just raise your hand. Yeah, I need to be a better friend. Anybody else? I see you. I see you. Anybody else? Thank you. Put your hands down. Let me tell you something. For a I love On Demand because it can help you. And I pray that what you've heard today will help you. I hope it transforms your life and gives you the, the boost you need. So let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for those who've listened in. Let it be a transforming moment for them, one they'll never forget in Jesus' name. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. I'll see you next time right here on Demand. If you like what you heard today, link it and send it to a friend and bless somebody else. Have a great day. Bye-bye.